Hey there, everybody. No cold open today. Uh, I did want to say, for the record, that uh, things are a little heated in Segment 2. Uh, it's all fine by Segment 3, so if you don't uh, mind us getting a little argumentative, uh, it was all a conversation we have all the time anyway. There are no hard feelings. But uh, normally we don't do that, so I just wanted to put that in here. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. See you in a couple weeks. Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 36. I'm your host, Matthew Mark. With me is regular co-host, Jackson Tyler. No, uh, like, milestone this time? What's 36? I was gonna get to that. Okay, well, I saw But I wanted to introduce everyone, because otherwise you can't talk. Yes. So, say hello, Jackson. Hello. And other co-host, Destiny Sturdivant. You just othered me. Yeah, <laughs> you're the other co-host. I'm the co-host who is a queer black woman and you called no i'm just kidding uh hi hon <laughs> that was too funny i'm sorry i wasn't prepared for that exact joke but i'm busting out well, right now matt said say hello jackson i thought you were gonna go hello jackson no, I, I, I was like I biting was my lips he really do hard that, to, but i no, figured he was too good for it no I, I felt the urge and i was like trying really hard to not I say that i feel it in you like we all felt that <laughs> okay, I'm glad that, that that is a thing shared amongst us in the Skype aura. <laughs> so since Jackson wanted to know what the milestone number was today, 36 doesn't really have a good one, um, but let's all remember the glory of the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Yes. This can be the 36th podcast of video games. <laughs> it's the only one. There have only been 36 video game podcasts, and this is the, the 36th. The 36th podcast is for the masses. That's the mm-hmm. secret of the 36th chamber. Wait till we get to the 51st podcast. What's it, 51? I don't know. That was just a, the 51st state. I don't know. Movies? No? Movies? What does movies yeah. have to do with 51? This, it's another title of it. The 51st state is a title of a movie I have not seen. Ending oh, this. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get it either, but thanks. <laughs> no problem. No problem. No problem. Mm. Moving on to video games. No, let's talk about 36 Chambers instead. Yeah, I need to it's watch that. really good movie. That was one of the first movies Matt ever showed me when we started dating. That's because it's one of the best movies ever made. It is. There's a sequel. I, go, I would love it. 37 no, Chambers? No, I can't remember what it's called. We found it on, uh, we found it on Netflix. <laughs> uh, it probably would not be as good. It's like... For the record. It's, oh, Disciples of the 36th yep. Chamber. That's good. That is good. That's a, that's not thirty seven chambers good, but it's still a they good title. They don't need a thirty seventh chamber. <laughs> it also came you... out like seven years later, so it's probably bad. Yeah, probably. But Gordon they're... Liu is in it, so it's mm-hmm. probably all right. I don't know. <laughs> Have you not seen it yet? No. Okay. We just ran across it while scrolling through Netflix this weekend. Nice, nicely done. Good times. As you can tell, none of us have played or talked about any video games this month. That's, That's not, not true, true at all. <laughs> That's not true at all. 
So no, it's not true. Even Jackson, yeah. since you started this, what have you been playing? Um, w- hmm. I mean, I know the answer, but the answer is what we're going to talk about next month. And the other answer is Metal Gear. Both of which have big red crosses drawn through in terms of what to talk about. Hey, Jackson, why don't you talk about Metal Gear in a way that wouldn't spoil anything for Destiny? Tell us about <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five and Revengeance. A, a Metal Gear Solid Rising Revengeance is an amazing video game. If you have not played it, you owe it to yourself to go play it. It's perfect. It's the perfect video game. It's perfect. It's a perfect thing. We have I to preserve so Destiny not knowing anything about late Metal Gear. So <laughs> the amount you can't say about Revengeance, including who you who play the as protagonist really? It's that <laughs> No, but there's like... No, There's things no. that we are amazed you don't know yet, but we want to keep it that way as long as I'm possible. I'm a little so. amazed I don't I, know. I feel like I'm your child and you're trying to hide from me that, like, Santa Claus doesn't <laughs> exist. Well, there's things about the, like, Metal Gear Solid 4 specifically that you don't know that aren't spoilers. They're just things that you just don't happen to know. So we're trying to preserve them. I'm a little surprised <laughs> yeah. I don't know because... by this point. You feel, I feel like someone could have spoiled that for me just by accident. But nope. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, pure, especially as pure as untouched snow. Five... Five has come out, and the discussion around that has been like, like everyone's saying, uh, talking about summarizing other games, but no one's mentioned actual specifics because apparently no one plays Metal Gear. They just kind of watch it from a distance and go, that looks crazy. Uh, which has been most of the discussion around Five that I've heard, which is fine. It's not a game for people who actually like Metal Gear, it is a game for the opposite people. So I understand why it's getting the reception it has because it's, it's barely a Metal Gear game. The opposite people is my favorite children's horror book. <laughs> Wasn't that an Australian <laughs> television show? Heyo. <laughs> Heyo. Yeah, the people are, go around the other way in Australia. Uh, are you are you like talking about their sexual? No, I'm talking about the well, tomorrow I was, people. I was talking about their toilets. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so their sexual proclivities. Yeah. <laughs> one love, Australia. One love. So, so I spent like seventy hours with Metal Gear Solid Five over the course of two weeks because that game sucks you in in a way. A few games do, but it's also like once you get to the end and realize it's a big empty lie which wasn't finished and has about three years left of development to go and everyone got fired, it kind of sours you a little on the experience a bit. So I just threw it away. And then you played Revengeance. It took you like four hours, right? Uh, Final completion time, four hours, uh, 50 minutes. Uh, I'm going to need to give you a specific tip about how to complete that game because you can't do it without slightly cheesing it to get more health packs than they give you, but you'll be fine. What if I'm just good at video games? Then I guess then you can be good at video games. Like I'm not going to stop you being good at video games. Do what you yeah. want. Okay. But you two should play that together after four. It's only a couple hours long. All right. Okay. It's delightful. But uh, that is all I'll say about Metal Gear for now. I am excited for you two to continue your journey. We just started Metal Gear Solid yes, 3. Yes, that we did. The Virtuous Mission... Oh, remember the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Launches nuke. I looked up. There is an explanation later on. That's right. just there. <laughs> right. It's because it's because the missile is called the Davy Crockett. Oh, yeah, I get that I part. Didn't even but make that connection. I'm so silly. CQC, CQC, CQC compatible. <laughs> Beginning virtuous mission now. <laughs> what are the best lines so far? I hear the dialogue's great. Tell me the best lines. My favorite part isn't exactly a line. It's when Major 
Zero is trying to change his code name because he's decided that, well, Major Tom was actually not the right one from this movie that I saw that I loved so much, The Great Escape, that I had to order it from the movie company to watch again because they didn't, you know, they couldn't just say I read watched it on VHS or something. And then he's like, oh, no, never mind. Let's just go back to Major Zero. It's really That's like good. a four-minute conversation. Look, The Great Escape is a good movie. He wants you to know that Snake has just landed from being like hypersonic, like at the edge of the atmosphere, parachuting into Russia, and he's talking about movies. What's great about the beginning of Operation Snake Eater is how, uh, like, ridiculous the first intro is with the virtuous mission how nonsense all the stuff that happens there but like like go to great effects to ground his halo jumpers like this is the extremes of technology for the time and like grounding it in the time but then an hour later you are then doing something twice as ridiculous jumping into russia from space yeah <laughs> because why not yeah uh, it's Oh, it's uh, it's so good. I th- do they talk about Fulton balloons in that game? Isn't there like a plan? They to have get mentioned that he would be Fulton extracted. <laughs> Snake expressed alarm, and Zero's <laughs> like it's been battle tested. I like the but they this, didn't describe yeah. Fultoning until oh, the next game. Sadly. I also like that a lot of the game is just fanfic between Khrushchev and Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> Really like legitimately, is. and that, also I I would mm-hmm. kill to find the original Japanese audio of their Lyndon Johnson impersonator. It it is on the internet. I can Thank hook you, you up. Uh, I can one hundred percent hook you up with that. Uh, I don't know how the language stuff works in Japan because Five has a lot of things like specifically about whether or not they are talking English is a plot point. So I assume they just associate like if you're hearing japanese these people are talking english is how they do that right um i think so i i feel like they did they went by the disney pocahontas approach where you're supposed to be assuming they're speaking the language of their country like i don't know if you guys remember that Mm -hmm. scene in that movie well that that's how like persona handles its stuff Mm, okay yeah because yeah yeah, there's a do i have to explain pocahontas and how the language thing okay Yeah, but Ocelot compliments Snake on his Russian uh, pronunciation, even though they've all been speaking English. Even though, again, it is another plot point in 5 that Snake cannot speak Russian. Really? What? Remember that, like, well, no, because you have to go. Because oh, game, right, a gameplay thing in five. It's not a plot point. It's more that to understand the Russian of the soldiers around you, you have to Fulton out right, right, um, right. a Russian interpreter so you can like hear their dialogue. What a retcon makes, that was! Yeah, it's like that time sense. we were talking about that James Bond apparently can't speak Chinese, <laughs> which is ridiculous <laughs> given that he's like an international operative in when, the aughts. Yeah, in Tomorrow Never Dies, when a uh, uh, like Chinese keyboard comes out, which one is fake anyway because <laughs> they've just taken an english keyboard and replaced all of it with chinese characters uh it's it's so dumb um also speaking of video game presidents in call of duty black ops when i played it like four years ago at this point uh you walk into a room and john f kennedy's there and he talks to you and the in the year 2011 me playing call of duty black ops my exact reaction is holy shit he just sounds like Mayor Quimby. <laughs> <laughs> so I am incredibly young and incredibly British. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, which is a hit movie about 9-11. I was going to say, that <laughs> incredibly young and incredibly British sounds like your hip-hop album. 
<laughs> yep, it's me. Has anyone else done anything video game related? I've been playing Fallout, but you can watch those videos. They're good. I'm real deep into it now. You uh, fell in. If I am wow. like two months ahead in terms of yeah, thanks, a, a buffer now. So, Oh, having that buffer is nice. As someone coming to the end of their buffer. Yeah. Hey, oh, why don't you update everyone on the computer that you might have by the time this podcast goes live? It is like in testing right now. I ordered it. It's not. So I was anxious when ordering it because apparently computers are about to change. By which I mean all the graphics cards are going to be up. To, like the way they are structured is about to change because of DirectX 12. So there was no point ordering a super high fancy graphics card. I just ordered a decent one. Yeah. Uh, but apparently that's fine. So I feel okay about what I did. Yeah, everything else, like everything else on your computer, is literally the same computer I have, except for the graphics card. <laughs> and it's it's only a couple steps below yours, right? So it's probably fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's also like... like a generation newer, so it's probably closer than that, even. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm gonna. So basically, all that means is Let's Plays are coming back. I'll be able to play PC games. All games of introspection is gonna come back. I don't know how regular it's gonna be. I'm not gonna do it every week because I'd literally die. But it'll come back, and I'll do it every every time I can. You know what's you know what's actually exciting. Do you know what is happening? Hopefully, by the end of this month, maybe at the start of next month, depending on when everything gets set up. Morning, fucking Mario. <laughs> if you've enjoyed me being bad at video games before. Jackson, let me ones. tell you, one of my favorite things in the world is watching you be bad at video games. <laughs> but you hate it so much. Yeah, but but like it's great because not only do I get to like suffer along with you, I can also then berate you for being bad at them. <laughs> it's true. Every morning I wake, especially with the with the Zelda one, it's ridiculous because I recorded Zelda months ago now, months and months ago, and I wake up and I just get you're bad at Zelda today. I'm like, I haven't played it in two months. Matt, no, 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 I know, but past you is is an easy target because <laughs> they don't know anything about Zelda. A uh, quote from past me when I was in in the final dungeon, I believe I I said when I got the final lantern. Oh, cool! I have red Zelda now. <laughs> when referring to a power that part was actually great the part where you walked into a like like (laughs) even though you've been like afraid of them as if they carry disease was less great please look forward to tomorrow's video do you beat the game tomorrow i can't tell you okay i I can tell you that it happens i mean yeah by the time this podcast is live the end of zelda will be up and we'll be waiting for you to be bad at mario 3 i will be very bad at mario 3 Will it take longer than Mario 2? I feel like nothing on Earth will take longer than Mario 2, but I'm excited to be proven I, I think wrong. I think it might take longer because it's a longer game, but I, I don't think you'll be as, as like, yeah, I don't think you'll be as worn down by it. <laughs> Mario 2 cut me to my very soul, which was only okay in the, at the very end, I started to understand. Mm-hmm. Like there was a see the Matrix moment and it was all okay, but hoof, hoof in also, the Also, most there. Mario 3 levels are really small, like. That's why there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That is cool. But now that's the computer situation. Video games are coming. Video Destiny, games. what have you been doing? Video games are coming. I have been playing a little game called Civ Five. Okay, we... I guess that's as good of a reason as I need to interrupt and segue into segment two, because it all dovetails Oh, out. should we? Okay, yes. join us, won't you? This has been going for 15 minutes. It's the longest segment one we've ever had. This is ludicrous. Okay. So, music 
Jackson, provide music. So for segment two, uh, we're going to talk about... Jackson, you brought this to us. How would you describe this? Collaborative games or games like being like conversation? Go the ahead. way I described it is basically uh, I wanted to talk about games with other people, but not in terms of just what a multiplayer thing is. Just the way in which communal experiences like affect per- our, perce- our perception of or participation in or just experience of playing a game. This was brought up by one. You guys were playing Civ. Uh, which was going really well, and like that whole experience was cool for you guys. Two, just the massive zeitgeist of Metal Gear Solid Five's discussion being part like inspiring in terms of I have to play this thing, but also simultaneously the most insufferable thing imaginable, as every like like the sheer pressure of high volume video game release. Uh, anyone knows being on Twitter how difficult that is to stay enthused about a thing or that's going on around you. And I just wanted to talk about like that kind of stuff and how the way in which our relationship to other people through games affects our opinions and experiences with them. Uh, okay. So the Civ thing is, I was pretty sure Destiny would like Civ uh, because it appeals to her interests of micromanaging a bunch of video game menus. Uh and it was on sale, and I'm like, oh, you should buy this, and we'll go through it, and we did, and we're still doing that. But you went deep on Civ, oh, Destiny. Yeah. Captain the Great is in charge of stuff. I... Like Russia? Well, Russia, we're at war with Alexander, <laughs> we're probably gonna lose, but, like, that's okay, because our religion is the biggest, and um, we have a lot of land. And culture. Huge tracts of land. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of land, lots of religion. Yeah, like, I like it. Well, Matt said it best. Micromanaging all those menus. I love that you can control just just about every aspect. Um, The one thing I don't like is I feel like by the time... I know how this game works. Like, by the time I get where I want... It's going to be over, and I won't be able to, like, enjoy my victory very long. That is a complaint that I have heard a lot about Civ, that it doesn't, like, at some point become Civ City. Yeah. No, it's a board game. Once you win, you win, and then you start over. I want to play in my victory for at least, like, five turns or so. 
uh, I, I mean, it, I guess it, like you can be dominating and like still play if you haven't reached a victory condition. But like the game isn't structured to actually be the you are running a place and the place gets to exist. No, no, no. If you want that, you want like uh, Crusader Tropico. Kings or oh, tro- Crusader Kings, yeah, or like Europa Universalis, yeah, something like to... that. You should play Crusader Kings. I that's something I want to do with Matt. Like getting back to like the whole collaborative game thing. Like I feel like uh, playing it solo is um really really fun and all but like when we played it played together it made it more it felt more like a board game and i had to think about strategy in a way that when i'm playing with an ai i don't really take that seriously Mm -hmm. i i don't think about i was reading a Gundam manga in between turns. Oh, so well. <laughs> I wasn't exactly thinking about Thanks strategy. Make me feel real good about this. No, I think like my, my approach to those kind of games is to basically just like flail around until I like settle into something that works. I don't really think too much about it. Cause otherwise I get too paralyzed by the, the enormity of okay, the system. That makes sense. Yeah. When, when I played Civ with Matt, like I kind of bounced off that game. Uh, I like I found it not uninteresting, but just the grind of it to be a bit rote, especially at the start. Like I, I don't understand the systems enough to get anything out of them, so the learning period wasn't being enjoyable. I just felt like I wasn't very good and didn't know what I was doing, which was true. I didn't know what I was doing, but like the overwhelming micromanagement stuff of that game is is not the kind of thing that I will draw myself into regularly, especially if it's a competition thing. Like I'll be more likely to play a Crusader Kings or Sim City like simulation existing place game than a work to victory condition game for me. Okay. But then, at this point, Destiny, you know more about Civ than I do, because you yeah. went further and deeper. No, I... I... Yeah, you, you are the Civ expert. You haven't, you haven't like, finished a no, game yet, no, though, right? No, no, no. I've been playing the one game. Yeah. We just got the World Congress, and when I'm... I, I turned off spying, and I think I should have mm-hmm. kept it on, because I think it would have added a little more interesting twist on the whole thing where everybody is trying yep. to get what they want in this vast world and next time turn off barbarians because right barbarians. that's the stuff that really screws me up i don't know i don't really have a whole lot to say about it i just oh that's that's fine uh, but like so do you like it's a game that you got into through this uh joint we're playing this system of hey let's play this game together but became just no, nah, I'm just going to play it now. <laughs> well, like you play that on your own more than you play it with me. Well, Matt, yeah, but that's just because of our scheduling differences. Um, I prefer playing it with Matt over the computer just because it feels like the stakes are higher, which is kind of silly. Um, <laughs> but it- I, it, I have the exact opposite impression of I'll it. S- like, I'm like, oh, this game's just for fun. If I wanted to play this seriously, I'd just go oh, play the computer, funny. but I don't. Also, I feel like we're both learning it simultaneously, so it yeah. it, it makes it easier to learn the game um, mm-hmm. and, like, kind of figure out the mechanics and kind of figure out how the strategy works and all of that. But yeah, it's really fun. I really like it. Um, it 
it's interesting because we're not playing against each other as much as we're playing against each other and you know a bunch of ai the, the well the bunch but you know just the different other the other civilizations like matt what's your civilization i can't remember i am the egyptian yes you are and that's my favorite song <laughs> and i'm arabia and then we just kind of like <laughs> I just got Jackson's joke. Um <laughs> and so like uh you know, I'm buddies with oh, I can't remember what country I'm buddies with in that game. I get confused. I think I'm actually buddies with Korea in both of my games. But either way, like I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like we're teaming up against Matt as much as it's like Matt and I just kind of figuring out how it works. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh but like we are, we're also doing this thing where I'm watching Matt play the Metal Gear games. Yep. And that is weirdly rich for me, even so, though I'm just kind of watching it like a film. <laughs> you're not getting any experience of, like, what those games are to yeah, play. Yeah, exactly. Like, one, because you're not playing them, and two, because when Matt is playing them, Matt isn't playing them playing them. no i'm playing them on very easy i run around and trank everyone and then we get to the cutscenes, which is all that really matters someday i'll play <laughs> whereas I, I think that's what i need to do at some point but uh but i uh it's weird to me because like i played through metal gear and i played vr missions and i've like i've done the the like actually playing metal gear and i like it but when you put it against like the story of Metal Gear, I don't want to deal with any of the actual gameplay. Like I'm just not interested. Like let me get to the next cutscene. Let's cool. Like I want cool stuff to happen. I don't want to play a video game. It depends on the game. I think like so. I played th- three on very easy, and I regret that. I think three would have been amazing to just play because like slow. I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've messed around with it, and it's cool. But at the end of the day, like I have limited time. And mm-hmm. when I when I want to play three, I want to play three because of the story, not because of its weird survival simulator. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe maybe in like the mid aughts, it was like a more interesting thing. But I could just go play a dozen actual survival yeah, simulators. I was about to say I, I would rather oh. play it just because it's a weird survival sim. I think that's cool. Yeah, like the the stuff that is like stealthy about that game is great. Like I I find it, Metal Gear interesting as a systems game as well. Uh, yeah, and I like I I do and did, but I don't care as much. That's that's fair enough. Like especially if you want to get through them and see the stuff. Yeah. Uh, but no, so we both like me and Destiny and our experience of that franchise has been colored by like not colored in like a bad way, but has been uh a part of like Matt trying to get us to play them because saying they're important and the wider cultural context around everyone talking about five and i'm like, i didn't tell you to play them jackson you decided to play them when we started playing them uh i decided to play them earlier i decided to play them when i played them because i had an opportunity to play twin snakes oh, okay remember because i started yeah, but that's after we had started playing twin snakes yes uh no because i started to play them like last year um and was like oh i'm terrible at this i need to get i need to find a way to get twin snakes and i borrowed it from a friend and i was like this is great this is perfect i'm, I'm in but there was it was always on my list of like something i should experience because of the discussion around it and because it's like important like that's why yeah. i went to it yeah and it's something we would never game club i think we totally could have actually game clubbed it but you're right 
No, I we're never going to game Club Metal Gear. Come on. I mean, not now. We like, were never going that to Metal Gear game. Interesting. Game like Club one Metal of Gear. them. Like it would have been interesting to game Club Three. I'll admit that. I think like the problem is which one do you game club and like game clubbing like the third in a series of long already like long and involved games is like we don't do this for a reason it's really hard to do. No, the only way to like podcast about that would have been to do all four and make the podcast nine hours long. (laughs) But I don't want. I actually don't want to do that. So I mean, you want to do something with it, but it won't really involve me that much. So yeah, I kind of want to talk to people. I want to do a podcast where I get people on to talk about it, but I don't know how much I care now. Like I'm gonna get the posts I've written up and done, and then kind of just walk away from it. Uh, I actually think I know what the thing I'm gonna do when I revisit it is gonna be, but. It's probably just going to be a let's play because that is more interesting and easier than any work. I think a podcast would be more interesting, but okay. Oh, okay. It's less interesting. It's easier. Okay, that's fair. I'll accept that. We'll but yeah, see. no. So you ended up like in peak Metal Gear as Five came out. So, so the interesting thing about this is how basically what happened for me is I had the entire. Uh, cultural experience of being a fan of this thing and like the way it's been treated from 1999 to 2015 in the span of two months yep like it all happened and you watched it all play out beat for beat (laughs) kind of surprised that it was even possible uh it's it's like it was exciting outside of the fact that you were miserable (laughs) through most of it i wasn't miserable like i love those games but yes, I was miserable. <laughs> um But then as 5 came out, like you were like, oh, you should get 5. And I'm like, no, I was never going to buy 5. Like Part of the conversation is like this urge to like, I was like, Jackson, you could get 5 in 3 months and it would be cheaper and you could play it then and people wouldn't be talking about it. Because I hate the zeitgeist of games, but like, it, because the pull is real. Like, it the is. The pull is real. When you were like, hey, you should get Metal Gear and people were talking about Metal Gear, I'm like, it's a good thing I'm broke, because otherwise I probably would have bought the Metal Gear and then been very upset that I'd paid $60 for <laughs> fucking Metal Gear. Instead, what you did was Google what happens in the Metal Gear, and you went, oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Watching the ending on YouTube was the great best way to experience the what Phantom Pain. What happens in the Metal Gear? Because I thought the ending was really good when I didn't have to play 70 hours of game before it. What would you say, Destiny? Oh, I just was uh, making a little joke. Like you both, What happens in the Metal Gear? Um, I think that, you know... <laughs> I couldn't even explain it if I tried. There's nothing wrong with, uh, if you wanted to play it, you play it. Like, I don't see the big deal about no, the zeitgeist. I think, I think, like, especially for big AAA games, like, the, the zeitgeist is, like, not only, like, almost unescapable if you follow enough games people, but, like, really harmful to the experience of playing a thing. I think the zeitgeist as an experience is, like, exhausting. But if you're self-aware about it, I think it's totally okay to, like, follow the conversation. I guess my thing is you don't have to engage with it, so it doesn't matter, actually. Well, if you're, like, wired into games Twitter... uh, As as people with a gaming podcast, yeah, and who listen to gaming podcasts and follow people who do game stuff on Twitter, there is no way to escape the Mm. Metal Gear talk. But, like... and not even the Metal Gear, like, three months ago it was The Witcher, a month before that, or uh, slightly after that it was Batman. Like, the designated this is what we are talking about now but is a very is real it, thing. Why is it annoying, I guess, or why is it a negative, I guess? Because, like, to me it would be great to just all be talking about a thing. So, the pro- like, to me the problem is, it like, this conversation always, ch- like, especially for AAA games, always chases new stuff, which is a really expensive proposition. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, if you want to play The Witcher and you want to play Batman, you want to play Metal Gear, A, those are, like, together, that's, like, $180. But also, it's about 300 hours of your time because each of yep. those games is dozens of hours long. Yeah, it's like, remember when Gone Girl came out? And you haven't seen it, but, like, everyone was like, okay, we have to go see Gone Girl to talk about it. And that's, like, the same cultural thing, oh. but without the $50,000 investment and the, like... So you feel obligated to, to buy the thing these... is the problem, not the actual conversation yeah. around it. It's what it does for, like, the... And I don't think any... I mean, I, there are some individuals who have probably made bad choices, but I don't think it's, like, an individual problem. Like, it's a more systemic, like... People talk about the thing because, like, the things is what's talked about, and you have to write about the thing to get, like, pictures paid for. Like, the whole industry is set up around this cycle. And mm-hmm. I, like, I can't offer any solutions because it's so uh, rooted deep in this, like, systemic way that the culture operates. I guess I just didn't... Yeah. But then, like... Like, oh, d- also, part of it... Like, before you go on is, if you do this and you pick the, like, if you say, I reject, like, playing these games new, by the time you actually come around to them, and it's cheaper, and in some cases, like, the game is, like, more stable or has more, like, stuff in it, because you got, like, a Game of the Year edition or whatever, uh, people just aren't there for it. Like, the takes aren't as, like, culturally relevant, and then no one cares. Yeah, like the I think De- Destiny. You were gonna say something first. I want. Uh, I don't remember. It was just, I guess I misunderstood. Like, cause it just sounded like this thing of like, well, I don't want to be a part of the flow. And but what you're saying is like that obligation to spend money to keep up is the problem. And I agree there. Yep. It's the obligation to spend money to keep up, and the inherent exclusion of anything that isn't new in the discussion. Yeah, because the problem I mean. isn't that these games might not be interesting, but they constantly have to churn the new to the like the exclusion of like old cool stuff. Like how how many like I, Destiny? You listen to Patrick Klepek's Q and A podcast, yeah. and he talks all the time about how he's got to keep up to the point where he's like, I want to play Persona to figure out what that is, but I can't because I have to play Mad Max. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, with your that life? is not <laughs> the way I would want to play games. That would make me sad. And but this the, idea that you have to have the... opinions like it's more important to have like half formed opinions on the new games than like interesting opinions on like old stuff is really prevalent in games and kind of like this podcast exists as like a like theoretical like putting our foot down against that kind of idea and like with patrick specifically like patrick isn't a freelancer who needs to play the thing that gets pitches like to like when people who i know like buy the new game so they can write about it it's because that's the thing that might get them some money but patrick is an established voice in video games culture and you'd think that like that level they would have some freedom to like actually be able to take the time to understand things but even at that level there isn't that freedom so and you like look at that and think well this is just broken this is kind of broken and so that's sad but i don't know like it's also what i think one of the effects of the newness um is that the conversations don't change like using metal gear specifically as an example i remember when four came out almost the exact same words are being said about that game like 100 percent. yeah and even though even though the games can't be more different the no. memory of people is short and like the like the way that games get like canonized is like so regulated that it was like, oh, this is like the weird Western Metal Gear made to appeal to people who like shooters and whatnot. And uh, th- this is like stripping away all the things we found incomprehensible to go for something new. And it's like, no, come on. 
and like they'll talk about four as a game that existed to tie up like uh, to tie up and put a bow on all the loose ends of the canon like the way people are talking about five is that everyone was talking about four is that and i like i was there at the time i so i remember these conversations but that was in 2008 that was literally seven years ago so the people like in jobs now are the new people they weren't there at the right. time uh, some of them were, of course, but the, people move quickly in this industry because it doesn't have. There's no money in it, so why would yeah. anyone stay stay around? Uh, so I don't know. Like, I, I don't have any solutions, but it's a sad thing. But like at the same time, like I bought We Know the Devil because everyone here was talking about it. And I'm like, oh, I want to play that before I'm spoiled on stuff. And that game was great because it also is two hours long and costs yeah, me six say, bucks. That's different because <laughs> it's smaller and it's like not something. That a lot, like, if you don't talk about it, maybe people will miss it, and it's, like, this hidden gem, whereas nobody's gonna miss Metal mm-hmm. Gear. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's yeah, like, the idea of a cultural conversation that is, like, a through line isn't inherently bad, but mm-hmm. the way it intersects with capitalism, specifically, in the case of a large industry that bases a lot of design decisions on sucking out as much time and money from people as possible in order to give them value like that is where the harm comes in okay and that makes sense i just didn't at first i didn't understand where you were coming from initially so it just seemed like really negative but i get it i mean it is really negative yeah this is the kind of talk we don't usually do on this podcast because it's putting games culture to rights i almost hate myself of saying any of these things i mean uh, i I don't think people would disagree that like that is a problem of having to keep up no but like even the things being said here by us have been said before a thousand times Mm hmm but like I, I find it much more interesting when like a games person plays like a big game for the first time and then like this kind of like cottage community of people all like, oh, maybe I'll replay that too. Like there's people playing Mass Effect 2 again and then other people play Mass Effect 2 along with them and then the conversation about this game that is old and kind of like talked to death happens again. But there's value in that. Like it doesn't have to be the hot take to be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like outside of that, like when you played Sleeping Dogs outside of the conversation around Sleeping Dogs and just discovered what that game was, like that yeah. was a delightful thing. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Oh, I feel like I, I had something to add on to that, but ugh. Destiny, I'm what, so you got? Sorry. what you got? It's just gone. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Would- uh, when we talked about this, I didn't want it to be super negative. I guess oh, it just well, ended I up just, that way. Like, well, like, one thing I was going to say we can was move like, on when you think about things. people that aren't involved in games, like I'm not what you would call a games person, so it doesn't feel like these things are like as common. Like You're like, this is a thing that there are a thousand opinions on, and I'm like, where? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's where I want to go for positive stuff because we're talking about sleeping dogs, like the way we played Yakuza Three and the way this podcast has been for us. Like building up your own small like friendship groups where you like listen to each other's recommendations and stuff and form your own like conversations. That is how I have dealt, and that's with this. valuable to me personally because that's how I play games. Usually, it's a friend to friend communication thing where it's like, well, I played this and I really liked it. You should try it. Yeah, and like Dylan will play some old PS2 game and go, Jackson, you should get this terrible old PS2 game so we can just talk about it. And now I own Scaler. <laughs> like, what? Makes it fun. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. And like you were saying about this podcast, Matt, like that's what we set up to be able to do, to have a thing that we discuss stuff that isn't set by any outside like f- discussion. Yeah, I always joke that there's like this informal rule that I don't want to play anything younger than like a year uh, old in terms of games. And we don't actually follow that. And it's not like a hard and fast rule. But I like, especially when like conversations around like Metal Gear crop up, I always like, I'm like, oh God, I'm so glad that I don't want to do this because I I chased that life too long to like be that anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are times I totally like, I feel like I'm way closer to just dropping everything and going in on it than you especially because there's a part of me like the, that pull is real and i think there is a value in deciding i'm just going to join the conversation i'm going to write the think pieces i'm going to be there uh i don't think yeah that's i guess thing. but everyone who chases that seems miserable all the but time i mean like if you do oh, it with a sense of fun and not a sense of obligation there's a difference i I but it, like the re, like the pressures to go in on that conversation like bring with them the obligation to be part of the conversation. I don't think it works sure, that way for like, everyone because I don't think Jackson felt burdened by playing it because Jackson was already playing. That that is not true. Don't well not not <laughs> okay not in the my, same my context burdens though. With, it can, my burdens with this specific stuff is way it, outside, it was personal. Like it had nothing it to wasn't with, a keeping up yeah. thing that that. It was because I gave myself a project. Yeah, that has to do with... But, like, if nobody was talking about Metal Gear 5 and Jackson just bought Metal Gear 5 to play, like, I think your stresses in, like, needing to get it done quickly and, like, all your pressures would have not been there the same way. No, I think Metal Gear 5 being a thing that I needed to play at a certain date while giving me a bunch of pressure beforehand was a key factor in freeing me from the need to write thousands of words about it. Like, because there was just a date where I had to be done and that was it, you're done. Like, mm-hmm. it having that externally set end date was helpful in some ways. Fair like, enough. That's why I was able to just drop everything and go, okay, I can't write anymore, I'm done, the, the date is coming up. Uh, but, so I always think about um, what it would be like to spend a year uh, chasing that as a thing. Not as like a way of job or a way of life or anything but to say like this year i'm going to keep relevant not for anyone else's sake but for me and like that would be interesting as a thing to do i think that would be really interesting if you went into it with the right mindset i don't think that's inherently a bad thing to i guess my thing is i don't outside i I mean i just don't feel comfortable with painting the people who do these things as chasing something like not everybody Mm -hmm. has the same goals when picking up i do i think absolutely the people who are like i need to play all the new games so i can like write about them and have takes are absolutely chasing something because the only way reason you do that is for like the like sense of obligation that the community pressures on you whether it's like pitch or to have the hot takes or to do the videos that people watch like there's always an external motivator because no one no one would spend hundreds of hours and hundreds of dollars i guess my thing is there are people the thing that they're chasing there are people who oh Destiny go. <laughs> there are people who <laughs> picked the games because they liked Metal Gear Solid Four, and they wanted to play Metal Gear Solid Five, and they're not going to make a YouTube video. But they're not going to write an essay. Th- those are not the people okay. we're talking about. No, but Matt's talking about people doing this as like a yeah, job. Yeah, and I guess I don't know. Maybe to... I misunderstood. And even even if that is chasing something, I think it's fine to say to yourself, "I am doing this to try to get something, like to get money out of it." I don't this think that's I necessarily it, bad. Yeah, 
that's not a bad thing. Like the the part we leave, the, that I feel that we're not mentioning enough is that the obligations come from a place uh, of like the people doing this need to get paid somehow, and they're gonna do go about it in the way they can best get something back. Like that's just how this forms as some kind of economy, as trash an economy as video game writing is. That's how that like forms. Yeah, my my complaint and concern has always been in like the past five plus years, why would you ever chase the Metal Gear Solids and Witchers of the World when there are thousands of things that are not that anymore? And I'll agree mm-hmm. there. I just, I don't know. I just wanted to make sure that. And the only reason is because of the like culture, like the peer pressure to keep up on the big ones because they're important. Yeah. But that's the same in any, like the same, the same yeah, film. Books. Everyone goes to yeah, I don't, Bay. I don't think it's a good thing anywhere. Sure, but, but especially think... in games where the investment at the high level is so much like you can go see like a small film and it costs the same and runs the same time as like a big film. Mm-hmm. But games, the proposition is so much different. Sure, but like that's why I would be interested to one year, probably not next year, but I if if I manage to get through the majority of like old games on my list uh, next year, I will totally like the year after. Like have dedicate the time to saying I'm going to keep up. I'm going to be able to do a proper informed going list at the end of this. I'm going to keep up with modern stuff and see where that takes me. I don't think that is inherently a bad thing to chase, as it were. I think that could totally be interesting, and I would be able to do it if I wanted to. Like I don't want to write that off as an approach. Like I would never do it personally, okay. just because I don't have the money or the time. But I'm not going to judge someone mm-hmm. if that's what they want to do with their money and time. Yeah, I don't have the money, and I know, and I won't have the time then. But I don't think it's a you know bad, like it doesn't have to be bad. The people making the choice are not like wrong for making their choice. Like it's way more I, complicated than that. The amount that people like try to do this and end up broke and sad and like harangued and like it's demonstrably not a successful way to be because the people who already have like salaried positions are doing this work for you. Hmm. What do you mean? Like, there's no point. Like, if you go and play The Witcher and Batman and, like, write a piece, that's great. Like, good for you. But guess what? GameSpot's already done that. Sure, but GameSpot will one day need to hire someone else. If I mean, if that's the dream you're chasing, go nuts, I guess. But, like, I don't know how you look at games culture and say, that's a place I want to be and feel well, good about I mean, yourself. I can't judge other I people's decisions. Like, I think that's... I mean, like... Judgmental. I, mm-hmm. As, yeah, sure, but after like looking at what games culture is for ten like ten plus years, yeah, I'm gonna judge the people who aspire to be like exploited labor working in like I, the most expensive city on earth, so writing guess, bullshit guess, for teens. I guess that's the the place where I can't get to because I feel like the people who are do chasing that are completely self aware about the exploitation and the like shitty circumstances that like everything in this culture is like they know people know these these people are smart people who are doing this are not yeah exactly it's not like they don't know and also they're not maybe their goals aren't exactly like i want to work for x publication for teens or whatever like they want to do something they want to bring something different to that landscape and so by doing this they like prove to the prospective employers that well i can keep up but i also you know can do this this and this i I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's like a concrete goal in people's minds. I, I have, people... no, I, I 100% disagree, but I cannot, like, 
in the context of this podcast, I cannot talk about it without actually naming names, and I don't want to do that. Well, yeah, no, I, I want to keep. Yeah, we don't have as to well. do that. But I, I'm, I feel like both of our positions are made clear. Like, uh, this is this is the same place that we come to in a lot of discussions. In that I am way more concerned with like the systemic uh, problems and won't go to any kind of individual. The systemic problems are made up of people who buy in, though. And if you choose to buy in, you are part of the problem. I can't blame someone for buying in on their own exploitation. That's not their fault. They're being exploited. No, it's like all the like. We uh, before we started this podcast, I'll talk about them because they're like an actual huge public figure. But like we talked about that Daniel Dwyer thing that was blowing up yeah. last weekend, and like he is someone who grew up buying into the system. He's like, I want to do this, and he did it, and then he becomes part of the problem. Well, uh, yeah, that was like I was exploited. You should be exploited too. Was like the tweet. Yeah, uh, which I think is a harmful way of looking at things. But on the other hand, I don't. But think... you're saying we shouldn't judge those people? Like, absolutely not. You totally can. Okay, I. What, I guess. Yeah, I think that's... Well, that's fine. Like, you don't... Like, I'm not saying you have to, but I I think it's valid to say people who have this mindset that it's okay to be, like, part of this thing aren't also contributing to the problem. I mean, you want to say we're all complicit in, like, upholding systems of, like, economics that are shitty. That is true. But yeah. you, on some level, can't not be. So... You... There's a difference between, like, I'm complicit and I'm going to, like, write blogs for Destructoid for three years for no money, hoping that they'll, like, give me a staff position. Okay. I think there's a radical difference there. Like, there are people who write, like, huge reviews and stuff on Giant Bomb who could just get their own website, and they don't. Because the idea that they're chasing, like, having their name attached to something like that is more important to them than actually doing work that, like, they I guess they my own. thing was, I was assuming that the people, I, maybe I just didn't know, that the people that do do these things also, like, they start with their own websites and then they move on to the other thing. And so, I don't know. I didn't think that, like, they weren't, they were just chasing the one thing. It's like, well, if you're yeah. writing, you should be writing as many places as you can. This topic is unfortunate. That'd be, that'd be great if you got paid for writing, but that's not the way it works. I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess I don't know what the, then like, the answer is. Uh, because I'm having this like same insecurity myself in the... Like, we shouldn't set up a culture where like having a featured blog or like being big in a like a like giant bomb community is like a cool thing like people should actively push no and i'm not like never would i say that that's a thing that's okay yeah we all agree on like the structure we agree but i i don't think that's how the like the same culture that's like hey let's go all play metal gear and talk about it is the also the same culture that's like look at this cool like blogger that wrote this thing on this other website Mm. I don't know. Like, like, like Patrick Klepek gives all the hot takes in his worth reading every week. But guess what? All, almost all those people are not in positions where they're getting paid for their work. I guess that's true. Yeah. The, like, that's the, the problem is there's, no, there's not enough money. Yeah. And, uh, like, I, I am... Waiting... And the terms, the terms of how we engage with games in that you play all the big ones and then you bring, like, you have your reviews or your, look, your like, long looks at them or your let's plays are dictated by the people who already have salaries who are already in positions of power. Sure, but, I don't know. Like, as someone who is 
going like going to university this year and all like the one skill that they got is i can i can edit podcasts i guess and i can write that that's what i can do and there's no money in those skills so my choices are either hopefully get lucky and find a job that is there are just not for internet criticism Mm -hmm. like if you want to go be a writer you could go get paid to be a writer anywhere else don't do it on the internet don't do it for like entertainment that's what you want to do i guess is how how do you balance that you know then then it's nice to have a hobby which is what abnormal mapping is like ultimately Sure, but I don't know. Like, these pe- like, what do you say to someone who has become good at a thing? Like, this is their craft they have honed, and th- like, there's the world isn't supporting it. Like, that person can't just. We can't blame that person for trying their best to if like, some- work something out. For sure, themselves. but at some point, you need to know. Hey, this isn't sustainable. My options are to get exploited or to tap out, and it's it's better to tap out. You can do valuable work elsewhere. Okay. Like the idea that someone has to be one thing is like part of the problem where people set up this idea of what the world needs to be in their head and allow themselves to be taken advantage of because it fits in with the schema of how that works. I want to be a video games writer. That means I got to write for free. I want to be an artist. That means I got to make art for free. Like people do like, because they think they have to do it. They'll and do that's it. true. Like I've seen that with writing. I just think that like, I'm not going to poop on someone who's like, I want to write from the internet. I yeah, think there's a way to, because there are people that do it and find ways to make themselves multifaceted. And like, uh, I think it's Austin Walker says all the time, like, you have to make yourself marketable by showing you can do a multitude of things and not just the one thing. Sure. And that's what everyone's doing. And it's like, it's sad and difficult because basically everyone in my Twitter feed is in constant competition with each other all the time, but acts like everyone's best friends. And like the way in which like their people are pitted against each other for the tiny amounts of internet writing jobs is sad to watch play out which is why i don't want to pursue this as a career but i can't like hate on the people that try even if it is a difficult thing and i but no i get it i get it i don't know i think this segment is probably done yep uh i don't think i don't know what we were originally yeah, talking I feel about like I, but I, we sidetracked everyone and i'm very sorry that's not your fault. It's but this okay. was probably good yeah, listening. We can just be mad about somebody. capitalism a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, we can be we can be mad about capitalism for a little. If bit. If you want to see the like more of this argument, go listen to our Lana Plonsky episode where this kind of stuff also came up. Yeah, Lana's cool. Lana made a game. You should go play it. Yep. Oh man, Lana's game's so chill and good. I'd like to think that Lana would agree with me though. About That's fine. You guys can be best friends. I love Lana too. So for our game club this month, we are playing Framed, which is uh, who's this by? She Love Shack. Love, Love Shack. Shack. Okay, that's where it's at. Uh, and is a mobile game for iOS and Android that came out early this year, late next year, last year. I don't actually remember. Their website doesn't say. I think it was last year because I'm fairly sure it's Hideo Kojima's favorite action game of 2014. Oh right, yes. Okay. <laughs> 
Does it say that on a it is, website somewhere? It is its Where most tweeted it's about it. It's his most tweet. It's like, that is the piece of praise most associated with that game. <laughs> to be fair, uh, in its list of accolades, it is a finalist of the Sense of Wonder Night at Tokyo Game Show 2014. Why so. are, is the West so terrible at naming everything? Yeah. <laughs> the Sense of Wonder Night? Holy shit. It's also a PAX 10 official selection, which is way less cool than Sense of Wonder Night finalist. It's also brought to you by the Australian government. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, art subsidies. We don't have them here, but they sound cool. Uh, no, the Australian government has cut all of them now. They are gone. Oh, okay. Aww. Yeah. I have heard all about this. People are not happy. Australia is in a bad way. That's really sad. So that's an Australian. Yep. <laughs> it's going to become a prison island again, but it's for their own citizens. The the deep irony of the grand tragedy of Australia. Yeah. Yep. So Framed is a action puzzle game about three spy espionage agent ne'er do wells, man in hat, man in, with a beard. He has a mustache, right? Mustache. Yeah, he's got like a mustache. And happening. lady with hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who are silhouettes <laughs> that you guide through spaces. All three via, of them have a hat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, via moving uh, basically like comic style panels around as they move from scene to scene and putting them in a linear sequence to allow the characters to get from one end to the page to the other. And then you clear it. Uh, this is Destiny's pick. You picked it. Uh, why? Did you just think it sounded cool? Because I felt like, one, it sounded cool. Two, we we have never done a mobile game for That's this. True. That's true. It's actually surprising. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't done a mobile game. I play game. a lot of mobile yeah, games. I thought so, so too. I, yeah. Coming next month, Tiny Wings. <laughs> that... <laughs> Angry Birds Star Wars nope, Edition. I'm just going to play Tiny Wings for a month. <laughs> I really, I I really hate Angry Birds. I like Tiny Wings just fine. Tiny Wings is amazing. I've never played Angry Birds. I was kidding. I, actually, no. The one time I did play Angry Birds, I Why didn't like you? it. I thought it was Why too hard. Why do you hate Angry Birds, Matt? <laughs> I I don't I'm not really into like those physicsy style games. Ah, that's much. okay. I enjoy Angry Birds, but Tiny Wings. That's a game. Like games in which like it's just like a you like set like the only one I like is Boom Blocks, and that's only because it's like a Steven ridiculous Spielberg. cartoon nonsense. Yeah, and also the Spielbergian <laughs> touch adds a lot to it. Uh, a boy and his blocks. Actually, it's entirely in that I really like the way the throw feels on the Wii Remote. <laughs> Um, it gives it like a physical. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. But generally, I don't like physicsy games. Just in general. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Uh, uh, give me animation every day, which brings what? us back yeah, to frame. You want animation because the stylistic underpinning of Framed is that all three of your characters are silhouettes that are, and the police officers they run across are all rotoscoped to like this exhausting degree. Is beautiful. Uh, the game is beautiful. That is, yeah, it's just really stunning. Uh, and like kind of the whole, like, like this is a fun enough game, but the whole like conceit is that like it's a treat to watch these characters even when they fail over and over again and get shot or whatever happens to them. Fall off a building. Fall off a building. Well, the, the game is basically, a, it is a puzzle game, but it also functions as a gag delivery system. It's just yep. a setup and payoff in, like, in uh, the cinematic or comic book sense of how they construct these actions moving through the space, whether you actually progress or not. <laughs> yeah, because failure is like often as ridiculous and uh, interesting as success. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting guns pointed at you is whatever, but like the times in which like 
you you accidentally like put the table in your way and then trip. <laughs> yes, that's I did that. fun. Those are my favorite. When bits. you tr- like bring the coat rack down and then trip over the coat rack because you hadn't picked up the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's one where you get arrested just because you uh you knock down a pile of luggage yep. to trip up someone else, but then if you accidentally. Uh, put that frame in front of you again, and you walk through it yourself. You get caught. And it's mm-hmm. amazing. It's so good. And the, like the and the other other out of context favorites is the one with the lights. I love the lights. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's a good one. Quality bits, but um, the light one is great because I feel like everyone like misses the door the first time. Yes. Oh yeah. But my favorite thing is that the like people who aren't cops just keep eating when the lights go out. <laughs> just, like they don't react, <laughs> they're, just, they're cool. just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. So yeah, framed is story of these three spies trying to get this briefcase and it's basically like spy versus spy hijinks for like an hour and a half or however long the game takes you. Yep. Uh, it's like so the way the game handles the plot is interesting because it's way more concerned with just evoking a feel than it is telling a story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, uh, like, vignette games are usually, like, seen as, like, storytelling games, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, twine games or whatever. But this is, like, the height of a vignette game and that it's just the, like, spy montage bit of any good espionage movie. Mm-hmm. Just, like, extended out into, like, this cartoonish series of pratfalls. Like, it could be, like, a great, like, 50s warner brothers cartoon as much as it is like a it is 100 percent a 50s warner brothers cartoon yeah it's the that's like the perfect comparison for the escalating series of nonsense that occurs in more complex and ridiculous ways how many times will someone be caught and react by lighting a cigarette a thousand times it's the greatest <laughs> action you do yep just slight yeah there's a did we explain the mechanic? Yeah, you move uh, you move comic panels into like the linear sequence that the character goes. So through. my first note, yeah, and they run. My first them. note about the mechanic of this game is that there is another game that I can't remember what it is, but it has a similar uh, style that um, is what was like in my head as I played this. And that game is entirely spatial. Like, you move panels around that changes your relationship with the space. Like, you move a thing from left to below, and now that thing is left of the character rather than below the character. Yeah. No, this is actually changing the way the panels read like a comic mm-hmm. book. Yeah, which was uh, part of my confusion at first. Because you can enter... You can, like, go to the right and mm-hmm. come in through the next panel at the left. Like, there is no continuity of direction or space uh, from panel to no. panel, it is all about the like storytelling techniques of comic books. The only thing you can affect is like the with the turning panels. If they are on the right, they like if 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 they are in a row, that row finishes. If they are in a column, the two columns to the left of it finish before the row finishes. Yeah, it actually it actually pretty strictly follows comic book panel reading structure. Yes. and that's really cool. But it like when it turns into a puzzle you really have to remember okay now what way is he gonna go if i turn it left how's he gonna is he gonna go down the stairs or up the stairs if i move this one behind it you know like it changes everything Mm -hmm. and then uh yeah you eventually get the ability to rotate some panels and then the last ability you get is panels will once you've gone through them will come live again after a timer and then you are basically like like 
putting the railroad tracks in front of the train style puzzles where like the places you went like as you like a train goes over like literally a cartoon of like a railroad where they're picking up the tracks and then running to the front of the train to put them down <laughs> yep it's the best yeah. yeah i prefer that mechanic to the uh rotating mechanic i actually don't really like the rotating mechanic me too i think the rotating mechanic is like more interesting in terms of explorations of like the flow and the puzzles but it's way harder to wrap your head around it, and like yeah generally like devolves into trial and error faster than the other yeah because what this game is really good at is establishing and like giving a feeling of tone so you play this game and you are in this space and world that is just spies in clothes in black and white and the most 60s but kind of noir thing imaginable it's amazing which is totally goes out the window once you have tried to rotate a panel six different ways and you're like okay fuck's sake he goes down the he goes down the pipe <laughs> and then he goes up but if you turn it the other way he just keeps going the same direction so he can't all right so there's when you've got to turn it uh, uh, I've already uh, uh, and <laughs> yeah. So when you, when you get stymied like that, it's it's really like that's yeah. The the ones that have the cooldown that you can use again really work, and that it reinforces the sense of like urgency mm-hmm. of the characters as they're running away from something or running to something. Uh, Definitely. And so you're left with the same sense of the character because when you get something right like the first time, it feels really exhilarating. You're like, yeah, I'm just cool spy getting through an improbable situation through like being canny at understanding my environment especially that's what they would especially do. when you don't pause the first time and you just yeah. you just like nail it and it's like oh great yeah. perfect i'm the best at video mm-hmm. games yeah and that sense of like the thematic material of like the constant jazzy soundtrack and your silhouette characters uh and that that gameplay like aligns really well like this is one of my favorite like spy kind of games uh it reminds me a lot of uh 30 flights of loving even though that is like structured in a really different way yeah but just in terms of evoking a specific cinematic tone Mm -hmm. through more abstract uh forms of established gameplay yeah uh, it is definitely that yeah uh one of the things that uh, really strikes struck me like the second time I played it is how much like comic book panels because games are often like trying to evoke cinema but the comic book panels allow you to align shots and like perspectives in a way that like a 3D game can't do because the camera con- like rarely like 3D games don't really do like cinematography in terms of like cuts and framing in the same way that like a comic book panel automatically does mm-hmm. like we talked a little bit about Metal Gear Solid 5 which uh Jackson cinematography is it's like the camera it's like long shots yeah, no, and it, unbroken that game and, never cuts yep and the way that framed will just give you like a character sitting on a bench and then underneath is two panels of like their hand and their eye and then that character like walks out from behind the panels into like a bottom panel mm-hmm. is like re it's just really good and sets up not only like a pacing but like a sense of perspective that is really strong it's it's good at being cinema video games more than actual cinema video yeah, games because by abstracting the it's cinema true. form into storyboards essentially it allows you to in the planning stage have a sense of what it means to have two shots next to each other uh mm-hmm. and gives a hundred percent this like feeling of what a, like what is a cut what does having two shots instead of one shot mean it is like actually a great tutorial in how visual storytelling works in that way because the game punctuates these puzzle levels with the far like like it, w- it would fall apart without these more simple 
like one action levels of just emotion like yeah the storytelling levels are like my favorite part of that because you just slide okay i know what has to happen like you have to put that shot before that shot for the emotion to make sense and they allow you to do that yourself and it's not a puzzle but giving you agency over that just it's, it's amazing it's so good yep one of my uh favorite things is the uh the the, the first time the guy gets the briefcase to the diner and meets the woman mm-hmm. She poisons his coffee and he like slumps over and then you get an outside shot of the diner of him slumped over in silhouette, like in the diner window. And then like a taxi cab drives up and you have to like pull the dry, the window of the diner with the slumped over guy over the driver of the cab. And it basically swaps places where like, oh, the next thing she would do is knock out the taxi driver so she could just take the car and drive away. Yeah. And the way that it, like, montages the two, like, attacks on unsuspecting people gives you, like, this great sense of this is just the thing that she can do without even thinking about it, like, incapacitate people. Mm-hmm. And it's just a simple, like, swap action. But it's also, like, maybe the most abstract panel swap in the game because it is, like, literally moving the window of a building into, like, a non-window space. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's abstract. I think it's actually really smart in that it, by creating a frame in the physical world. Yeah, but it's it, maybe abstract. It's the only time the game actually does that, though. It's like it? everything else is like a constructed camera is shot. There's no other time it does that. I can't think of a single time where that yeah, happens. Because I know it happens that one time, but I can't remember any other time. It, like, it, it didn't feel out of place, at least. No, it doesn't feel out of place, but it's my favorite, like, single moment of that game to mm-hmm. me. Because, yeah, it's just a perfect expression of it. I, don't, I, think, I think that's similar to the way that sometimes frames will be over other frames rather mm. than just in the white space. Mm. Like when the guys can walk like walk from behind the frames that are layered on top of the large frame that takes up the entire screen. That stuff's really cool. Uh, Destiny's not said much. What did you think? I thought it was cool. Like, it feels urgent even though you have, like, if you you know mess up you have to replay the level and trial and error it but it never really feels like a slog mm-hmm. or at least for me that's it didn't feel like i was frustrated like if i couldn't get it it was personal and i had to keep trying uh in the game because it doesn't make a big deal out of you screwing up it just kind of just refreshes and then you're given a chance to start again and i like that a lot so you don't feel like you know like in other games, when you screw up, there's a, like, you're dead screen, and, like, you have to push a button to go back to the level, and this game, it just, just refreshes, you see the same screen. I don't even think the panels change from where you move them, unless you click the actual refresh button. Um, so I liked that you don't feel bad about screwing up, and also, they're difficult puzzles, but not too difficult. To where you just want to throw the game out of out of the window. Yeah, like there were moments where I did want to, but then I was like, "Oh, I'm done." Okay, that was like the last puzzle in that section, or I am right. And also, you kind of feel like each puzzle felt unique. Like you're doing the same mechanic, but the story elements and like the different environments kind of make them all feel fresh. And once you screw one up it's like okay well i can rule out that one so now what didn't i do and you can kind of 
deduct like what you need to do next and it, i don't know it, it just all it felt really inventive well, because of the animations are specific to the spaces and like everything is like the way the gags are set up is so purposeful instead of being like here are some rules go serve a puzzle every puzzle is a specific event that is an evolution of the chase and it is like no it doesn't outstay its welcome in terms of how far the chase goes on and i thought it was really good about changing locations like you don't stay yeah. in the building for like you they, I totally could have seen it as just the entire game is this one building, but it it doesn't yeah. do that at all. And it yeah, it doesn't feel like you're in the same place. It doesn't feel like the 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 problems are the same. Like it always feels you're always running from these guys, these police officers. But it doesn't feel weirdly for a game where you're repeating a lot. It doesn't feel repetitive. <laughs> What's interesting is the game clearly sets up like the echoing like sense of repetition as part of its formal structure. To the point where, like, the game feels like it ends and loops back, even though it doesn't. I had to be told that the game wasn't finished. To, to actually <laughs> yeah, finish Jackson it. didn't get credit. Yeah. Well, he was it's done. interesting because it gives you like what feels like and actually is like the climax. But then there's like three more puzzles after that. Yeah, and they're like reversions of old puzzles that are slightly more complicated. Yeah, uh, this is more than three. It's like six or so. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it does. Like, it ends up giving that sense of this is the chase that happens, like, forever. And you are just seeing, like, a very small window into it. Yeah, it's not not that, like, these are characters who need this and will get this and, like, someone will win. It's, like, these are the archetypes that will exist forever, chasing each other for eternity through these locations in various forms. And we are there. Like, it, in its story and its repetition, acknowledges why it is what it is rather than pretending that it's also telling a specific story. Mm-hmm. Like, it is 100% about this tonal and generic idea, and with its weird ending, the loops back around on itself, like, acknowledges that to you, so you know that it knows that you know, and it's uh, it's pretty good. So it's really well done. The, uh, the last bit, then, to touch upon is Hideo Kojima called this the best action game of 2014, do you feel like it's actually an action game? At the, the 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 back half, yeah. That when it okay. literally you're committing actions, you're running. It's Isn't game. every game a role playing game where you play a role? <laughs> What's interesting oh, to me geez. is this idea that maybe like the format of a quote unquote puzzle game would better represent actual like the feeling of action better than action games do. I like in terms of like getting across the feel of being in an action movie. This is maybe mm-hmm. the best execution of that. And that is a compliment you see applied to, like, Uncharted and what have you. Yeah, but those aren't actually good at being action things. No. Because they, they're they not punctuated, like, gags and, like, story beats. The actual secret of action movies is that the actions have to tell their own internal story. No, like... That's why choreography is important. Writing an action scene is the same as writing a comedy scene. Like, it's set up and punchline every time, and games are completely devoid of that. Uh... Or, like, build it into their systems and try to make it this, like, emergent thing. But it'll never be as specific as what we think of culturally when we think of this as an action scene. Yeah. Like, you can do it, like, emergently. Like, the Far far Cry grenade rolls down a hill. (laughs) The problem is, in the context of you are just shooting guys and driving around for 20 hours, it ends up losing all meaning. Framed by giving you very authored content over, like, an hour and a half like really sets up that this is your thing there's periods there's like the downtime periods of the like story levels 
and that's it. It's in and out. And like that's super important into telling a logical, consistent action. And I think now, because you've said that, like I want to connect this game somehow to Beyond Two Souls, <laughs> which I think is another game that does that well. Yeah, because Beyond Two Souls good action bits are actually mostly coherent. The only one I think that doesn't really work is the Metal Gear level. <laughs> Uh, as like a piece of action storytelling but for the most part it is always like about the setup and about telling a clear story when it comes to the action and then getting out you have to you have to bring it to an end and go back to like the low-key non-action stuff to make it yeah like the moments of excitement work because you spend 15 minutes singing on the street to get some money yeah and then Mm. uh, you fight those guys who are beating up that homeless man Mm -hmm. yeah uh, I this is I mean, we covered that game really succinctly. Good talk, everyone. Uh, uh, on this topic, though, I want to say that like I am very excited for you two to eventually play Until Dawn because yeah, it too. sounds like such a interesting like summation of these ideas. Because uh, one thing that this game does really well that uh, I have heard about Until Dawn is that it is very good at positioning you as someone creating a story that can like in which failure is just as interesting because you're not playing as a character to survive you're playing as an agent other than that directing this thing and yeah you're playing horror movie storyteller as opposed to even like the walking dead where no, the walking like dead is not that. you are playing as lee yeah the walking dead <laughs> is 100 percent about embodying you as a person within a world uh, mm-hmm. and i think there is a character that you kind of play as in until dawn i actually don't know 100 percent, but my impression is that it, it provides much more distance. It, you play as the character, but yeah, it provides more, slightly more distance in the way things work. What this eventually is building to, one day, Matthew, is the David Cage-esque wrestling game. Don't tease me, Jackson. <laughs> Don't tease me. The perfect video game. It would be up there. Uh, if someone tried... Even if they failed, it would be too glorious to see. Yeah. Aww. So final thoughts on Framed before we close this out and get into the last segment. You should play it even if you don't usually like puzzle games. You should, yeah, yep. you, should, you should check it out if you have a phone in which it plays on. It is cool and great, and it's only an hour long. Maybe two. You know, depending on how stuck you get, but yeah. It's, it's sure. It's like you play it and you're like, huh, that was a thing I played. That was great. Guess what? Mobile games are cool like that. I could I could play yep. this 74 times in the time it took me to complete Metal Gear Solid 5. <laughs> Jackson, don't. Don't. Yeah? Oh, that makes me hurt. <laughs> like, just hearing that said. Yeah. I play a lot of long games, but when you say numbers, and it, it, for some reason it's once it gets over 70... Like, something in my chest just, like, tightens up. I could buy this game ten and a half times over in the money it cost me to buy at Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah, that's sad. But Le- like less primal. Anxiety-inducing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, is the number. You play, you play RPGs all the time, though, so... That's true. I rarely spend 70 hours with that's them, true. though. I... Like, 30 to 50 is, like, in that range is much more common. Mm-hmm. Good say- 70 is like Persona levels, Jackson. Oh, God. The collective sigh of relief that the entire internet breathed when Persona 5's delay was announced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank yeah. God it's in summer. Okay. 
Oh, I don't. I have time. I have time. I have to worry about that for another seven months. Okay, we're good. Oh, I'm so tired. questions you can send questions to podcast at remotemapping.com uh you could you know put a comment in one of our blog posts we have comments on our web page right yeah i guess no why would you use yeah. them? it's 2015 yeah i know but sometimes and or you can tweet us like whenever we put out a call for questions we always do we like email questions most of all though right? they are our favorite but in lieu of that, we have some Twitter questions. So, Jackson, you want to give us the first one? Uh, Dylan Snyder asks, How long do I have to wait before video games is a rotting cadaver on the side of an anonymous highway? <laughs> so, you know, we talk about this a lot. together all a the time. Lot. About how it seems really clear to us that big games are going to go away. Like, they have to. I am, like, perpetually anxious that video games as a thing that are played will just not be existing in five years. You know that's not true, I know it's not true, but there's a part of me that thinks, like, that's possible. That is a thing that could happen. And I know it's not because the industry is, like, too big to fail in that way. It'll completely change and become a different thing, but it won't go away like that. Even if all of the money went away, people would still make itchios. Yeah, like, what'll actually happen is probably it'd become a more interesting, smaller niche culture of people making stuff. Uh, but yeah, big games probably going to go away. Because consoles might go away. Like, there are comments on the PlayStation Plus blog every week moaning about video games. Are people going, what? Like, every single year, people going, there aren't many big games this year. Well, it's happening next year, because then people will get used to the consoles. And then, oh, it's going to happen next year, because, like, it's two years in, all the development cycles no, started. No, we're going to go back to there's, like, a half dozen big games, mm. and that's it. That's all you yeah, get. Yeah, like, at some point, the people are going to realize those games aren't coming. They ain't coming. Yeah. So the the well done dry yeah, well, like the com- the video game culture waiting for Godot that is going on on a massive scale among teenagers everywhere is one day going to end. <laughs> Konami closed up oh, shop no. basically. Uh, uh, you're way more okay with that than I am apparently. Konami has been dead to me for a long time, Jackson. I know. Aren't they mean? Like they're not nice. No, to they, are terrible. they are terrible. Please. So why would we want them to? Keep We'd want going? people like Silent Hill and Metal Gear and Castlevania, and I like those things too. But they've all been dead for a long it's time. It's less. You'll get no, them no, no. in some other it's, form. No, no, you won't. Let them go away. Let them leave. I'm actually no, it's, way for there never being any of those games again. It's less that, but it's like intent. The Metal Gear Two and Three uh, and the Silent Hill HD collection. The Silent Hill HD collection is unplayable. Everything, but the other things didn't come to PC. Like these are important games that are now owned by a company that has no interest in ever supporting any of them ever again that's that is where things become more of a problem for me like they're not going to make any more metal gear games that's fine it's ended eight times already yep but they're gonna somebody's gonna make there's gonna be a metal gear likes and all that stuff don't oh please don't don't. like It'll happen. Make, I'm not, I'm cool not saying I'm okay games, with it. I'm just saying it's cool going to happen. Conspiracy theory games, but don't make more Metal Gear likes. <laughs> just 
Um, Kojima's next game is <laughs> something uh, exactly the same. Solid card. Solid card. Gears of War. <laughs> <laughs> War Gears. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's like the, it's soon. Soon things like the thing that is seen of as what video games have been for a long time is like has been demonstrably unsustainable for over a decade now and is only becoming more but like the companies are shrinking and going away like ea apparently can't make video games anymore activision only makes like three mm-hmm. eventually all video games will just be developed by platinum yeah <laughs> weirdly that's the future that we're hurtling towards it's really strange what games do they make bayonetta bayonetta but uh, they also make vanquish. like games for act. They make Activision's like the sole remaining. Remember when on the PS2 licenses got beat 'em ups? Now Platinum makes those. Yeah, they made that Legend of Korra game. They're making a Transformers game. Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, uh, they're making they're making a new Nier, and they're making the Star Fox game. They're just like every, people are like, we can't make a video game. Platinum seem to be okay. Get them in. So I have a question. This comes in from one Matthew Marco. Um, first time listener. Hi. No, wait. <laughs> Long time listener. First time writer. Yeah. Jackson, how was Doctor Who? <laughs> no, you didn't ask that. I did. I, I'm actually. We haven't. I haven't actually asked you this. So I'm curious. Okay, so to bring it back again to Metal Gear, no fucking series over over mythologizes their main character as much as Doctor Who does. Holy shit. Uh, and like the entire beginning of the new season is just people going, where is the doctor? Where is the doctor? This is his final message. Uh, okay. So do you want to, s- did he disappear last? This season? happened. This has happened every single season finale for four years. Um, okay. but this is the season intro last season ended with the master coming back, but now they're a woman. Um, so they just like say sexual words every five seconds. Cause Stephen Moffat, Aww. yeah i know it's really embarrassing um anyway uh in this season, she died at the end of that and then less than an hour of screen time later is back <laughs> like nah. the end of the last season was her dying the beginning of this season is her just coming back uh she, she's got the doctor's will because she's the doctor's best friend um the doctor's like living will and testament will or like his embodiment of like yeah, like a literal a document, life a document will. that is meant to open upon his death. Uh, okay, last will, and last testament will and testament. But then, uh, you know, with Doctor Who, I wouldn't be surprised if she just kept like his emotions in a jar on her desk or something. <laughs> That's well, no, she, the, they, the master had his hand for a while. Okay, that, great. well, do you not remember that? <laughs> no, he kept the hand around. The hand that happened. Anyway, uh, it was bad. It was all about. This is, like Doctor Who has been telling the exact same so ever since the new season. The, like the greatest mistake they have made is making the Doctor the main character because there is nowhere to go with that story. There is nothing to do um, because the main character of that show should be the companion. Like it's their story. But when it's just the Doctor story over and over again, it's like today uh, the moral dilemma is: Will the Doctor kill a child? Um, because uh, no, the answer is because, no. <laughs> spoilers, the answer is no. Well, he goes. The episode begins with like revealing that he runs into Davros, who is the guy that made the Daleks, um, as a kid, and has the opportunity to save him, and walks away because he's like, I can't save Space Hitler. 
Um, and then the in halfway through the episode, the Daleks just straight up kill the companion and the master. So he travels back in time to shoot Kid Davros in the face. And then it cuts to to be continued. It's terrible. I like the one hilarious thing is I like that they are just badly regurgitating original Star Trek plots at this point. What's original Doctor Who plots? Like in the seventies, he went back. There's a sort of Tom Baker story called Genesis of the Daleks, where he goes back to when they were made and like has the chance to basically abort all the Dalek fetuses and doesn't do it. Like that's the story that's right. been done in 1972. But then there was, like, City on the Edge of Forever, which mm-hmm. this also seems like a riff on. Yep. Uh, but my favorite terrible thing about it is that after completely retconning the single defining moment of the entire series, they are now repeatedly asking that same question, but coming up with dumber ways to do it because they got rid of the original conflict between these two people. Great. Like, the moral conflict of this guy <laughs> does horrible things for the greater good is a thing that they wrote out of the series two years ago, and they now have to bring it in in increasingly dumb ways. Great. He, the Doctor is also introduced on a tank playing guitar in the Middle Ages. What? He's, he's on a tank playing... Because he's, he's just wacky. The Doctor's just a wacky guy. He's just wacky. Doctor is stealing Rusev's gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> He introduced dude to the Middle Ages as a vocabulary, and there's... This is just Bill and Ted! <laughs> is he a surfer? Yeah, Bill and Ted, it is. It is. Bill and Ted is... To what extent is Doctor Who just mishmashing other things that have been done better before? It is weird that Doctor Who, as a thing... Like, Bill and Ted was a riff on that, and now they're just taking... No, I don't know, it's just... It's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. It's not good. Okay, why do you still watch... No, never mind, I don't even want to... What's the next question, Jackson? Why did you ask me that? That's a question for Jackson Tyler. (laughs) 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 Okay, final question. Why is... Spoilers for Doctor Who. Why is the (laughs) signpost maze in Grim Fandango for straight so many people? This is from Alan Abraham. Uh, Why does the signpost maze in Grim Fandango for straight many people? It seems to be fairly straightforward. So the problem is the, like, I don't know if he looked it up or not, or if he just like looked into it. The problem is that it, the game gives you the signpost as like, so the the way the puzzle works is you get the signpost that you put down and it like points in a direction. And then you go, you're, you're trying to find like a secret, like entrance or something. And there's just this place where like, there's a thousand different paths or whatever, like not a thousand, but like a dozen or whatever. And you put the signpost down, it points in a direction and the way the solution works is you point it, you put it down at some point, like, so you think, oh, it points in that direction, I'm going to drive in that direction. But the actual thing is the signpost acts like a dowsing rod in that it's pointing towards a spot on the screen where if you put it in the right place, it'll just point down. And that's where, like, the secret entrance is. But the game doesn't ever describe to you that it works like a dowsing rod, not a signpost. And the, if it looks like a signpost, and it acts like a signpost, and it's called a signpost, people are going to use it like a signpost, not a dowsing rod. Yep, that is that is true. That is why that puzzle is Like, if it, if it was just called, like, a wayfinder, and it, like, you got, and it just, like, pointed, and then, like, like an arrow pointed down as you walk down, I think people would be way better about it. But it's a signpost. It's not like a rangefinder. It's not a dowsing rod. And that's why people treat it the way it is. Because you can't make objects behave in a way that is not obvious to what they look like in an adventure game. Because people are already trying to combine objects in ridiculous ways. Mm-hmm. Good answer, Matthew. You know, I like adventure <laughs> games a lot. 
and their puzzle design is very fascinating to me. That's true. That is true. Okay. So, next month is spoopy game time. Spoopy. Spoopy. And so we're playing that perennial Halloween classic, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which actually has nothing to do with Halloween, except everything to do with Halloween. Is Dracula a threat? Dracula was always a threat until he wasn't anymore. (laughs) Dracula is no longer a threat, is the saddest sentence. No, Dracula is clearly not a threat anymore. (laughs) We talked about the Konami situation, and I I was like, I guess Metal Gear fared best out of the big three, and you had to ask, what's the third one? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, (laughs) Castlevania, and Metal Gear, and like... That horse game? <laughs> no, no, Silent <laughs> Hill existed once upon a time. Yeah, I forgot all of it. Silent Hill's been dead for a long time, Jackson. Silent Hills is the, cru- the cruelest one because it w- it got killed at the moment people had finally allowed themselves to hope again. Uh, which they shouldn't have done. I, even when Silent Hills was a game I thought was going to exist, I was like, oh, I bet PT will be the thing people remember. But then now, that I guess that's not true because PT's gone too. <laughs> It is all gone. When when does Konami just like erase games from people's hard drives? When does Metal Gear disappear forever? That'd be amazing. I hope it does. That'd be amazing if every single copy of specifically Metal Gear Solid 2 disappeared from existence. <laughs> <laughs> Konami just creating that context. Yep. Yep. The Lalilo. <laughs> I guess this podcast is done. Yeah. So we're playing Symphony of the Night. It is, I think, one of the greatest games I've ever made. Uh, I don't know. If you want some context, you can watch Castlevania 1 and 2 on the Abnormal Mapping YouTube channel. Please. Do. And then play along with us. You can play it on your Xbox 360. You can play it on your PS3. You can play it maybe on your PSP. It's like a PS1 classic, so I bet yep. it works. You can get them for a sister. You can get them for a bro. You can eat it with the box. You can eat it in a box. I mean, I wouldn't eat your video game. High five for two different reference points, Destiny. <laughs> we have been Abnormal Mapping. You can find us at abnormalmapping.com or check out our YouTube channel. Just type in Abnormal Mapping. Jackson, where can people find you? You can find me at HeadfulsOff on Twitter, HeadfulsOff.com for all the other stuff I do, including Trash Picked Ratio and Goof Zone, which is at Goof.Zone. Uh, I am going to be redoing a bunch of stuff, as so look forward next episode to me announcing that. Destiny. Badlandgirls.com yeah. at FridgeBuzz now on Twitter. Uh, Goof.zone here. You can find me here. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at LateRock or uh, I got a book club, I guess. You can check out booksorcrooks.tumblr.com. The last episode got eaten by the Skype recorder. It doesn't exist. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't don't not have backups for your podcast, kids. Aw, wait, the one we recorded recently? Yeah, the one a couple weeks ago. I just don't oh, have it. that's a bummer. It's not that I haven't put it up, because sometimes I do that. I just actually don't have the audio anymore. It's dead. We have a lost episode. It's, I think it's our second lost episode. I'm the oh, only man. one who records that podcast, so the chance of failure is high. Oh, man, should I start recording that? I mean, it wouldn't Let's hurt. talk about this on our other podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're done. Uh, <laughs> goodbye. Go play Castlevania. Uh, what is a man... I don't know. It probably sucks. He probably likes video games, though. So, of course, probably watches Doctor Who. What is a man? He's probably mansplaining what a man is right now. Yeah, while he's manspreading with his man bag. In his man bun. (laughs) Having his manscaping. (laughs) 
Great. Good. We're done. <laughs> good, Fuck off good all job. of you. Goodbye. Bye. Great. Podcast done.